Hi, everybody. This is Kratom Sobriety, episode 21. I'm Charlie. And this week, we have the pleasure of a guest host with us, Decima, who was interviewed on an earlier episode. The interview this week is with Misha. She and I met through the Dopey Zoom, kickstarted my abstinence from Kratom. How are you doing, um, Decima? I think we talked in July, like almost two months ago. I'm actually doing really well recovery-wise. Life-wise, you know, it's going on and things are happening. But you know what? I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that I'm able to handle uh, the issues that I've been hiding from and things that happen unexpectedly now with a much more clear head. So, yeah, I'm doing really good. We're going to go over the top 10 tips for quitting Kratom. Awesome. Thank you so much. So this list is from my own experience as well as being an administrator for one of the bigger quitting Kratom groups on Facebook for the, you know, since 2017. So that brings me to number one, you have to have support. I said it in my interview and I'll say it again, support. I don't care if it's just one person or if it's total strangers, anywhere that you can find some support. Um, that's going to be number one. I was trying to do it alone. I was really failing at quitting. So I agree with you. That's a great tip. does help to have people that understand quitting Kratom specifically. Part was I was keeping a secret. Even two months in, I knew I made all these connections online, but it, I eventually told some people in my real life what was yeah. going on. And that I really made progress then. Okay, so number two, and this one is and if you're able to, but if you're able to taper your doses before you quit, it is going to make your quit a lot easier. Um, I've actually quit more than once. And every time I tapered, it was a lot easier. And I also want to tie number two to number one. If you have a support person in your life that can actually give you the doses, hold your kratom and dose for you, that's super helpful. I never had somebody do that for me, but I've heard that uh, people have a lot of success with that. Yeah. And if you can't do a traditional taper, even a rapid taper, you know, you, you don't want to go from your highest dosage right. and the very next day, go to zero. It will be very painful. I actually did that exactly a couple of times when I quit. I did like a one week taper. Um, it's not, you know, it's not ideal, but it's better than jumping from, like you said, your highest dose. So I agree 100%. Three, um, you want to get your health um, checked. Make sure if you're able to see a doctor, see if Kratom has caused any damage because you want to know what you're dealing with so that moving forward, you can begin to address those problems instead of, you know, putting that Kratom Band-Aid on there or um, just assuming it's going to get better when you quit. Go ahead and get that check if you can to give you a baseline. It's important to establish what problems Kratom may have caused and what other issues you may have been covering up. Number four, there's a reason why I think it's so important um, because a lot of us, we try to self-medicate. That's what we were doing with Kratom and we do it with supplements and things. Sometimes we're <laughs> taking a whole bunch of vitamin C and we don't even need vitamin C. We're all so different. So uh, number four is going to be your supplements finding which supplements that you need, what your deficiencies and needs are based on what, you know, yourself, not everybody else. And also to start those supplements, if you're going to take amino acids like BLPA, 5-HCP, anything like that, them early enough so that they have time to start working before you make that jump. 
Number five is going to be another. It should be common sense, but I really feel like it needs to be talked about, and that's hydration. We do not hydrate enough while we're on Kratom, and we our bodies are made of water. You know, like it's healing. So please make sure you're drinking so much water. Like I actually put my water um, in my bottle, my jugs that morning so that I have uh, the amount I know I need to have in my body before I go to bed that night. Um, please, please, please drink your water because it's going to be so healing. That's another tip I need to implement in my life. Right. Some of these are going to sound so basic and you're just probably a lot of people are going to do what I did and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that. Yeah. Take it to heart. These things truly work. Number six is sunshine. I don't care if you just go walk out on your porch when the sun is shining and just stand out there in the sun for a little while, get that natural vitamin D. But if you can make yourself take a walk, even that's going to take you to number seven, exercise. I know we don't want to do it and we don't feel like it, but it can be as little as just getting up and moving around, um, cleaning up your house. If you can just muster it up, move yourself around. I'm not saying get out there and run a marathon and I'm not trying to be like, you know, get out there and exercise, but it really does help if you can get that dopamine, you know, pumping through exercise. And you can do exercise outside and knock two of them out at once. Exactly. (laughs) Number eight is another one that I hear a lot of people talk about, and it worked for me, and that's journaling. Writing down, uh, part of your journaling should include writing down your doses as you're tapering. Something about seeing it in black and white in front of me held me accountable. And um, one thing we say in the group often is never take more than you did the day before because every day is a success as long as it's you know not more as the day before Um, but that's all part of journaling writing your doses down maybe what small accomplishments you achieved that day um, what you want to achieve the next day just whatever you want to write down in your journal Uh, I find having a special journal really helps number nine for me um, and a lot of people is rediscovering an old hobby I know that when I'm using, if I do things that I enjoy while I'm using, eventually I don't enjoy those things as much anymore unless I'm using when I do them. And that's really sad. Um, and that kind of like tears us away from our hobbies and our joys. So even if it's something as simple as reading, getting back to an old Netflix show or something that you used to enjoy. For me, it's been motorcycles. Um, Getting back on my bike and riding without being high has been amazing. So you just have to find what it is that drives your spirit, which is number 10, (laughs) Um, your spirit. You have to get in touch with your spiritual side again, whatever that is for you. I'm not here to tell anybody what to believe on. Uh, what spirituality should be to them. But when I say spirituality, I'm basically saying what moves you, what motivates you and makes you want to quit Kratom and be a better person. Um, So yeah, you'll find that as you move away from Kratom, it'll be easier and easier to connect to that. So that's my top 10. That That's what I feel I couldn't really tell you which were the most important, but I felt like all of those things are super important 
and helpful when you're trying to quit Kratom. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your experience and with a hopeful message. And hopefully you can join again in the future. That would be awesome. I really appreciate you having me, Charlie. And now for the interview. Hello, this week we have an interview with Misha. We were both commiserating on a thread about our troubles with Kratom, and that was the impetus for the the starting of the our Thursday night Kratom meetings. So how are you doing, Misha? Um, I'm doing pretty well today. Start off with, how would you describe yourself to a stranger? That I probably would depend on what kind of stranger and what what the moment. Yeah. But I mean, the generics are, you know, I'm a mom, I love to travel, I'm a chef, I'm in love with dogs. I would say that uh, I can be kind of guarded and reserved. And so but that can be misinterpreted because if I if I feel a connection, then I, I like to go deep and I'm kind of an open book. So that's probably the the rough uh, generic descriptor. What was your first contact with Kratom and what was it like? So I first looked into Kratom because I was feeling really in a trap with pain pills. And every time I tried to stop taking them, I just felt useless. And so being a single mom and working a pretty intense job, I just felt traps like I don't how you know I don't know what to do so I was like on all these threads of how to detox at home um sort of as gently as possible and I don't know if it was Arrowhead or Reddit or probably both but um amongst all these other supplements and ideas they suggested Kratom you know there was like a link on there to where you can get it and there wasn't much about it other than you can take this and it's not an opiate, but it basically affects the same receptors so that you won't get sick. I ordered some online. I got it. I took it. You know, it takes a, it takes a little minute. I wasn't really convinced necessarily initially, but then I was just hit with this kind of overwhelmed bliss feeling like way better than, than the pills at, at that point. Cause I, you know, been taking them a while. They just had kind of run their course where I was taking it just to not be sick. And um, I felt like this, this really kind of unique euphoria, almost like a spiritual expansion and, 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 you know, motivated. Like I was like, Oh, okay. Like I, I feel so good right now. I specifically remember like doing some yoga, you know, and it was just like, I felt so in my body and so present. And after that, I was, I was juiced. I really thought, okay, this is it. This is my, this is the thing. And, and then I went down a rabbit hole of finding all these people who were taking it to cure their lifelong depression and all kinds of pain. And, um, and I really thought that I'd found something miraculous, but as we all know who take it after a certain period of time, if I took a day off or, or didn't, you know, of course, quickly, I started taking it more than once in a day. And then, and then I would see that 
I would just get this really intense, lethargic, low, like beyond lethargic feeling if I didn't take it. Then I started getting on, you know, more Reddits, more threads about like, okay, so what are the side effects? And then I found kind of some of the dark realities of it, but that didn't stop me from taking it for pretty much five years straight. And, um, you know, within that, I was struggling, like, I, I struggle with, you know, alcoholism and all kinds of other substance abuse stuff. So it was especially helpful, I would say, like, once I wasn't drinking, it was just like, okay, well, this is something that I can take. And it it doesn't feel catastrophic, you know, to the rest mm-hmm. of my life. So it really, it's, it's, it's been really interesting to look at it in terms of like how I used it to replace other drugs, you know, and alcohol and stuff. But at a certain point, like, yeah, it just became more and more. I just felt like I was in a trap. Like I was just on a hamster wheel. I got into rotating all the different strains so that I could not completely tap out my receptors as much. But really it just led to me feeling mostly flat, you know, um, chasing that high, like chasing that high that, that just got more and more flat and dead and having all kinds of the side effects, like stomach issues and starting to get really anxious. And, um, you know, certain strains would, would, would really make me feel insane where other ones would make me feel just really euphoric. So I feel like that part also kept me on that kind of chasing that perfect high feeling, you know, and it was sort of this, I never necessarily knew what I was going to get. Inevitably, I found that I really liked the white and the red the most. Did you have previous attempts where you tried to quit? Yes. So I would quit and it was excruciating, but I would do it. And then inevitably I would forget (laughs) and I would go back to it. I think one of the main things that that kept me g- going back to it for so long, especially like there was probably a, the last year really wanting to stop was just this kind of crippling, crippling depression, like disabled feeling, being so unbelievably low, just like fragile and crying jags and not myself. I mean, I would say I've struggled with depression my whole life, but this was next level. And I actually ended up getting on an antidepressant and I was in AA at the time and just was kind of fed up and and that helped me. That really helped me. So I was able to stop at that point for a few years, complete solid, you know, abstinence from everything sobriety and relapsed during COVID and Kratom. I started using it again for the first time in several years. It sounds like one of the reasons you first approached Kratom was it is kind of like a Arm reduction alternative it can be helpful to get off of more harsher substances. You know, maybe it was sort of my version of a Suboxone or a, a Naltrexone or something like that, because I think yeah. it did allow me to have long stretches of not using pills and not using alcohol because I had something, you know. But I mean, the crazy thing is, as much as it it didn't impact my life, I would say as much as some of the other things I've used, getting off of it was absolutely like the most terrific experience I've had getting off of any substance. So that was really, 
that's really an interesting thing that it could be so painful. And yet, you know, it's like the brain wants to remember the good parts, you know, it's like this, it, it still has this sort of, well, it's, it's somewhat benign kind of quality to it, even though coming off of it is like, you know, staring the devil in the face or something. You just like, like in the grips of something demonic is really how it felt, you know, coming off of it. I experienced that too, where it's causing less destruction than something like alcohol. It's easy to get hooked on it long-term. So you end up spending a lot of money and it starts to take a real physical hold on you. And then it's really hard to quit. And But then you had a period where you're off Kratom, alcohol and the pills and working a program for a couple of years. Yeah. So I would say initially I started... I quit drinking alcohol the first time very seriously in like 2012 and I was mo and I didn't drink for nine months. Um, okay. but in that period of time, I was having these insane excruciating cysts bursting on my ovaries and all this kind of like excruciating pain happening in, in that whole realm of my body. And so I got prescribed pills and I'd been prescribed pills before I got run over by a car when I was 16 and almost died. So I have took a ton of pills, you know, as a teenager, but it wasn't like, I don't know if it was just pre opiate, you know, epidemic to, you know, there weren't necessarily kids popping oxys or whatever around me at least mm -hmm. not in my time. So it didn't like, I liked the way that it felt. And I started using young, you know, I, mean, I started smoking pot probably daily by the time I was 14. And then it was kind of like game on. I was really curious about psychedelics and I loved alcohol. You know, I really loved like the way that alcohol quieted my internal neuroses and insecurities and stuff. So all of that was really young. And so I knew that I liked the way that opiates felt, but I never really did it recreationally except to maybe like raid someone's medicine cabinet. You know what I mean? But it was yep. when I quit drinking the first time very seriously and I had all this pain that then began this kind of like, I, if I can just take this every day, I'll be okay. Like I felt enveloped by some kind of like hug from God with, with the opiates at this point, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's because I didn't have the alcohol. I wasn't smoking weed. So I really, my system could just be with that. And so I was taking those pills for a few years. Obviously, it it went well beyond the doctors prescribing me. And, you know, that got horribly expensive and just scary and just not what I wanted to be doing with my life, you know. But I did end up drinking again after about a year. I was still doing taking the pills. And then I would say, you know, a few years into that, it was probably 2014 that I found Kratom. And I would say I took it like for for four or five years, for sure, with periods of like not drinking for maybe seven months, you know, and, and okay. kind of always in and out of AA, like always searching, always trying to heal, you know, always on some kind of path of like, trying to look inward and, and knowing that there was a problem and that the drugs weren't helping, but kind of in this like, such deep emotional pain that it was kind of like, anytime I stopped, like I picked something else back up, you know, inevitably. But in 2018, um, after two rounds of rehab, I did get sober. And I was sober until 2021 during the pandemic, where I feel like just a series of events, but I think probably predominantly, I was really, really working a program and in the herd. And I feel like bit by bit by bit, all of that accountability and community 
just kind of dissolved under my feet, you know, not to mention that like my son and I are both now trapped in the house all the time just with each other. And he was like metamorphosizing into a man. And, and I, and I had another thing where I was prescribed pills during that time. I think that that was the first thing that happened. Well, I did start taking kava kind of compulsively. So that was the very first thing, just the tincture. And then, and then I got prescribed pain pills. And then it was like, okay, let me get some Kratom, you know? And so then I, I, I would say I, I have been out. I'm just now getting some traction again with sobriety for two years. So from 2021 to 2023, it was just kind of like a round and round. Either I'm drinking or I'm taking pills or I'm taking Kratom or it's all three. And then the thing that happened because I was so terrified of the withdrawal with Kratom, mm-hmm. I would get some pills just to get off the Kratom, you know? And, and that was like this vicious round and round cycle. Well, now I need Kratom to get off the pills. And if I only take the Kratom for three days, you know, that's the magic number. I will, I, you know, it'll just soften the withdrawal enough. Um, and sometimes I would do it and I'd be off for a few weeks, but that's kind of the most I was able to, to do for, you know, up until, um, it was early July that I, that I stopped with all of that, with the pills, the Kratom. Sounds like a real merry-go-round. Oh yeah. Real fun in here. Nice, nice. Me just trying to be the grand puppet master of, you know, managing and controlling every single feeling. Not to be all morbid, but when there are deaths related to Kratom, it's usually because people have other stuff in their system that is more deadly. And I I imagine it must be that merry-go-round that you're describing. It can spiral out of control. Yeah, it was a nice combination to die, for sure. All the pills and alcohol, let alone, you know, the Kratom. I mean, and that's something that it really was like a haunting, you know? It's like, it's really an intense thing to be in the grips of that, especially like the thing with Kratom, it's, it's not a universal harm reducer for everybody. And no. It, it's, it's definitely got some negatives to it. <laughs> you know, Massively. That- I'm crazy high functioning, but it, but it's just like, you know, mental torture to know that you're doing these things and to want to stop these things and to make a plan again and again to stop. And then it's like, you know, it always sounds good to stop when you're on it. And then as soon as you're not, and you're in that like discomfort of whatever it is that we feel as addicts, that's so painful, like, fuck it, I've got to get out. Like, whatever this feeling is, I just need to survive today. And like, I'll stop tomorrow. I mean, that is sort of the crux. Yeah. And yeah, the the pandemic was very isolating. And the statistics show a real spike in substance abuse. What was the impetus? 45 days ago, you finally were able to get off the kratom and then everything else yeah so i got covid really badly like really really badly i was laid out and you know like i said i'm like a doer 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 i'm a a cook so it's like my whole life is like running around i'm always on my feet the only time i'm sitting is if i'm in my car um and so i was laid out sick and so i had a lot of time to just you know not only be with my thoughts some of it was me Googling, does COVID cause morbid depression? <laughs> but uh, but I had a thought when I just felt so bad, you know, and I like went to take, I think I was taking Kratom anymore at that point. 
And I did keep it pretty lightweight these last two years, like I said, because I was so terrified. But I was taking like the Dexedrine and then I got more of the like Norcos Percocets is whatever is what I liked because I have COVID and I don't want to be in pain and it's justified. And I just was hit with this thought of like, stop, you know, stop. You're so sick. You're so laid out. Your body is not recovering. Like, just stop. And I did, you know, and like one day after another, I could just feel like my spirit felt lighter, you know, like I still felt sick and it was still awful, but I was already laid out. So it was like, there was no question of like, oh, you know, I need this energy because like having Mm -hmm. energy is a really big trigger for me, like being able to do all the things that I need to do. So the fact that I just was laid out was really created space for me to look at that. And I felt so bad that it was just like, I don't want to be putting more trash in my system. So yeah, I just, I just stopped. And, you know, I, I wasn't drinking and everything. I did end up going on a trip to France and Spain and I did end up having a few days of, of drinking there, but but I feel pretty steadily on my path of just, you know, I've been at this a long time. It's not linear. I think we do need to look deeply at like what's inside to, to stop the cycle of just trying to like dumb all of that stuff down. And I've been really thinking about naltrexone, like, I don't know, just, just to kind of like bolster whatever it's not an, you know, it won't be an option for me because I know it won't feel good both for drinking and for opiates. It's kind of perfect that it's for those things. But also I've really heard that people have a better time with, uh, with not having cravings. Cause I just, I've never been one to have a pink cloud. And, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, it was the alcohol that was making me depressed. And it's like, you know, for me, I put all the substances down and I get really, really low for a while. And I, and I feel really grateful that I had that period of sobriety where I know that that's actually the most peaceful, you know, that I'm going to be and the best chance I have at continuing to just heal myself and my brain and show up for the people I love and myself in the ways that I want to. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like some people just get it and they're done. And some of us, it's just like, it's just, it's just still there. So. Yeah, um, I feel you. I do beat myself. I'm like, why didn't I just get this right? You know, I, I, I get very jealous of the people who cleaned up and then just the first time they went to rehab or they had a horrific, you know, medical incident or life and death experience. And then they just stopped. I always, I guess, moderated my use throughout my whole life where my life never like completely blew up, you know? Yeah. And so try not to like read that passage in the, one of the 12 step books about, you know, there's just some people that are constitutionally Constitutionally incapable. I know. I don't have any experience with naltrexone. So I I can't give you any advice, but I mean, I I've talked to some people and I don't know what the side effects are and things like that. It it might be a way to get you to a year or two, you know, where your brain can recalibrate and and you can get to a new baseline. That's what I think. Like if I, I, like I've been planning to get 90 days since last September, literally I've been talking Mm -hmm. about getting 90 days and then even, you know, I'm going to DopeyCon and I thought, Oh, this is a perfect time, you know, like, and I've got this, this thing at the end of it where I'll really want to be proud that I have these 90 days for DopeyCon, you know, and I didn't do it. So that's why I think, I think short term, you know, I like to, Naltrexone, but but something to just help bolster because I think 
it's hard. Like the more we allow ourselves to give in, the more those are the grooves running in the brain. And so I, I try not to let myself think it's futile, but it's like we break trust with ourselves when we do it again and again. And it is hard not to compare ourselves to these people that they're just sort of like, no, I'm just done. You know, like I've told you before, I'm just like this elusive psychic change where it's just like, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. I wouldn't want to do that to myself. And I think there's still like, there's a lot of soul searching around like probably worthiness, you know, like self-love. There's a lot in there. Yeah. I feel you. I won't, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm more reacting to you as a human now than as an interviewer, you know, especially like I didn't drink all my thirties. I thought I was done with this crap. Like, yeah. How the hell did I end up? You know, I yeah. know how it happened because it just is a progressive disease. And well, I was just going to say like, you know, how vigorous, I mean, I, I am a 12 step person, I think. And it's true. Like what you, what you put into it, you know, you, you inevitably will get out. And I think that the connection piece is the number one thing. I mean, I think absolutely you're responding to me on the, on the thread and then starting the creative meeting where we could just like talk about this thing. That's so secretive and weird and insidious and like, such mixed uh ideas about is it is it good and and now you know or is it you know just hell you know um and now the fact that it's just everywhere it's 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 confusing so i mean but the connection of being able to like talk to other people about it and to keep our minds aligned with what we actually want like i trip on the fact that you know it's like i'm trying to to do something with the same brain that wants to do the exact opposite, <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. like, like I can't think myself, think my way out of it by myself with this same brain. Like I need, like I've got to expose all the sort of thoughts that are, that are lying to me and telling me, you know, it's okay. Or, um, or you're a piece of shit. So just fucking do it anyway. You know, like all the things like, and that's what's so hard too, is as as addicts, the isolation, the hiding, the shame that makes you not want to talk about it, you know. And when you relapse again, the shame that keeps you from saying it, because like, what's the point? And for me to like go to meetings and you know, I can talk about alcohol there. I don't tend to talk about kratom there. Yeah, I'm really grateful for the kratom meetings starting up. And at first, I really had trouble grappling with all the kratom specific issues that you know those dynamics that you were just talking about and the hiding the secrecy i mean i i, I would go to my aa meetings on kratom because i didn't think of it as a relapse i didn't think of it as using um, partly because i had bought into the marketing and because it wasn't i wasn't like high off my rockers at all you know so but now you know with a little bit of distance like five or six months now can go to my AA meetings completely sober off of everything. My sponsor knows what Kratom is, but I don't necessarily need to bring it up in the meeting. I just, now I just kind of put it, Kratom in the same bucket as booze or any drug, you know, but I really grappled with that for a while, but posted yesterday on uh, the most recent episode. And well, one person that put a comment on it say, thanks, you know, I need help getting off, of Kratom, what should I do? So I was able to give them plenty of advice. And then somebody else like, don't demonize Kratom for the rest of us. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm not demonizing. I'm just, we're just talking about our experience. There's a whole for-profit industry that's promoting it as the best thing since chocolate milk. You know, 
our little podcast and my little Facebook page isn't going to take down the whole kratom industry. No, I mean, and it's so polarizing. It's so polarizing. Like people yes. feel so strongly in each way. And I even read, you know, something on one of my little, you know, rabbit holes of reading people that were just like, oh, it's, a, it's this is like an amazing adjunct for AA. Like it helps me be able to be social and share. And I mean, like I've literally read that. <laughs> and I'm hearing people now in AA meetings saying like, well, I'm sober you know, I do take this plant that I take for pain. And I'm like, uh-huh, I know what plant that is. <laughs> and I was, I didn't, you know, when I was taking Kratom, there was a year period where I wasn't taking it every day. So I did not know anything about the withdrawals. That was what blew me away. There was like, it was about this time last year where I took it like 10 days in a row. And I didn't, and in those 10 days, on top of that, I, the same dosage didn't work. So of course I increased the dosage, you know, and, uh, and then at the end of the t 10 days, I stopped taking it. Oh my God. I was like, Whoa. Uh, and I still didn't quite associate it with the drug. I, uh, let's see, let's get back on track here. Do you have any recommendations of things that helped you? I know you're still struggling with some of the withdrawals and maybe some pause, but some things that you did to help with the withdrawals? Um, I mean, yeah, I am definitely like a supplement person. So um, there are lots, lots of different supplements that I'm taking now just to try to like boost mood and heal my yeah. brain and stuff. But I would say like for acutely while I was getting off of it, I mean, gabapentin really helped. I don't know if it's like, a reasonable thing, but I mean, I did take some, um, Valium and that really helped, you know, and I think if you can do that short term, that's great. If you can't don't do it, you know, I'm like, I'm not advocating for anything, but that was something that helped me just cause I was, I was so insanely anxious and just fragile. Like I said, um, I would say definitely lots of electrolytes cause I was dumping buckets of sweat and, you know, like Lots of people have said on your podcast too that liposomal vitamin C and exercising even when you don't want to and hot Epsom salt baths, like just going and sitting in the sunshine and also just continually reading the threads of everyone talking about how bad it is and how wonderful it is on the other side. Like just keeping it really at the forefront of my mind, like this pain is temporary it's got, you know, it's like, I've got to get through this temporary discomfort because there is another side that I need to get through too. Um, but yeah, then I just, I take a lot of like amino acids for nervous system calming things and ashwagandha, rhodiola for, for energy. I think this time you, it sounded like you kind of cold turkey with your COVID, but have you ever had any luck with tapering versus cold turkey? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a t I'm a taper person. I yeah. Okay. Yeah, it I yeah, and I think like when I was really really in it, you know, like the several years before, like I started by just like slowly um lessening each dose and then okay. I just like knocked off one of my doses and I had to do the later ones in the day because the morning I'd just be so useless until I took the kratom. Um, but I like knocked off the evening dose first, you know, and then did that for a little while let my body adjust and then knocked off like another dose, you know, until in the last one that, which was the hardest, 
was I think then I just slowly cut down the morning one and then I just, you know, jumped off. And it still felt pretty bad, but you know, from where I was, like I was taking a lot that helped me and I was pretty disciplined about it. I just like, yeah, I was just so scared of, of how bad it made me feel that, that that's how I went about it. And this, I guess this is more on the regulatory question side and quality control side, but so you said you'd buy um, different strains and different batches and the quality or the potency would vary. Would that be like within the same brand or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it like, the more fresh they are, the more potent. Like I definitely see that even like in like the color and the smell sometimes. Yeah. And, um, but also just like within the different, like even some whites would make me feel, you know, more euphoric, clear, none of the kind of weird anxiety stuff and others would give me that like borderline psychosis <laughs> feeling of just like, I cannot, like I, I don't even know what to do with myself. And that kind of would make me want to drink, you know, like I've got to level, level myself out here. But yeah, so the white and the green is what I like the most. But then within those, they each had their own little mini strain. Yeah, I I never had any experience with that. I mean, I've read about it. Extract user, I was purely just going to the um, local vape shop buying, you know, a specific extract band. But it just makes it, it seems like it would make it hard to like, even label packages for with recommended dosages and how to do a quality control so that there's some consistency. You know, if you are going to, you know, if it is going to be legal, you know, I know the connoisseurs aren't worried about that kind of thing, but the new people that are just coming off the street consuming this stuff, you know, everyday naive customers buying the stuff, it seems like there should be some labeling and some consistency between each, you know, and recommendations for a dosage, but it sounds, it's just, it's just the nature of a plant-based product like this. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of variance, you know? I mean, I did read a lot of reviews for different companies because I wanted to try to find something that would be at least tested, but I think it's just the nature of the plant. It's just not regulated at all. How's your life going today? Kratom free. It's just such a massive relief not to be in that trap. You know, it's like that constant kind of like, ooh, do I have it? Do I need to like make a little jar of it? You know, it's not all over my purse or like, you know, I don't have a thin layer in my car. Like it was just, it was just such a thing, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So it feels amazing to be free from that. And, you know, even though I still feel kind of low energy, I feel so much better. I mean, it's just like, I do feel so much more regulated and you know not to have the shame like that's just you you're doing this thing that you don't want to be doing that you know ultimately is negatively impacting you and like keeping you from being as like authentically connected right but you're still doing it so with that is just this kind of constant low grade extra self-loathing shame thing which I already struggle with. So, but then if I'm using, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest piece of shit in the world. So relief from that is, is huge. And just, and just looking forward to like getting my, getting my full energy back. Everybody's timeline is different, but you know, I guess you're still early on. So I hear reports like at 90 days and six months that people feel a lot better than they did, you know, like at 45 days, you know? 
what are some things that you're doing to maintain your abstinence? Well, since I have several little things I'm working on staying abstinent from, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I try to be rigorous with like a little morning routine. Like I do when I wake up, usually feel intense anxiety and dread. So I try to immediately read some kind of short recovery thing or something uplifting, meditate, not necessarily a super long time. Sometimes I do it just quietly. Sometimes I do it a guided and getting to meetings, you know, staying connected, talking about it, remembering how horrible it is by, you know, staying connected and being in meetings. And, um, and then I've been doing a gratitude list at night, kind of like a, you know, in 12 step, like a 10th step, like review of the day, but it's like a softer way to just kind of like at the end of the day, all the things that I'm grateful for. And, you know, prayer is something that I really believe in, but I've been noticing lately that I have this kind of like conflict of belief. Like, do I believe that, that, that a power can, you know, greater than me can restore me to sanity? Like, I don't, do I believe that? I mean, I'm working on that. And so I've been wanting to get into like, you know, that really specific prayer of just, just help me, you know, and just for today, I will not use anything, you know, and like make that commitment to myself in the morning every day. That's the aspect of the program that I've struggled with for decades is the faith part and prayer and the prayer work and what is my concept of higher power. So I feel you there. Yeah. And like, I, I, I'm a spiritual person, but that is like some nebulous territory where I'm like, what, you know, something's going to come in and, and save me how a power is going to do for me what I can't do for myself. I mean, I have to believe that because I'm, I'm not getting very far on my own, but so that's why I've been kind of like, <laughs> let me just double down on this prayer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For the psychic change, like just, you mm -hmm. know, and to be useful, like, like get out of myself. What is your best advice for someone getting ready to quit Kratom? I would say that when I did a taper, I wrote it down so that it wasn't just willy nilly. If you're, if mm -hmm. you're going to taper, I think it helps. Yeah. Just get really, really, really clear on why you're doing it and all the reasons that you don't want it. Make sure you get connected with people who really understand. Be really gentle and compassionate with yourself. You know, I think we all take these things and do these things because we want to feel better. Like inherently, it's it's not a shameful thing that we want to feel better. And like it's a it's a it's a signal. You know, it's a sign. Like something we need something. You know, is it care? Is it love? Is it what is it that we need? So being gentle with ourselves and having compassion for ourselves is something that's historically been hard for me, but it's something that I really work on because I find that it keeps me motivated wanting to do the right thing, you know, like that mm -hmm. kindness and that softness, I think, lean into that, like lean into care for yourself and, and asking like, what is it that you need, you know? On a lighter, funner note, do you have some go-to music when you're having a horrible day? So I have a totally wide, crazy range of music that I listen to. And sometimes I want to, like, just go into the melancholy and, like, you know, go, like, fully Nina Simone, Billie Holiday. 
Yeah, it just totally depends. I, I love loud hip hop. Like loud hip hop is kind of one of my biggest medicines, you know, to just kind of get me like juiced and get into the angst a little bit and out of the sadness. I don't know. It helps move it for me. And I mean, I love reggae. Sometimes I love like some, some dark kind of minor classical music at night. Like, like I've got a whole range, old funk, old funk will get me pretty happy. Um, yeah. but it all depends. It all depends. Definitely it's situational for me too. Looking back, is there anything unique that made Kratom different than your other addictions? Yeah, I mean, I think just how secretive and then also like all that gray area of, well, maybe it's healthy. I've, I've even read that it's an anti-inflammatory, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's easier to kind of rationalize. And then I would say, yeah, getting off of it just made it clear that it is absolutely like a demonic substance from hell, you know, like whatever it is, the way it like, it will corrode your soul. So of all the things I've done there, you know, I think there's darkness in all of it, but I think, yeah, with Kratom, it's, it's, it's extra sneaky, extra insidious and extra dark. Amen. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things up? Other than just thank you. I've been so grateful, like I said, you know, to have our little connection and get through this. And I was in a really dark, I like, Dave was reading either Knowles or Logan's emails. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Falling apart. And then that's why I like, I took it totally on a whim. He was like, if you're struggling with Kratom, you know, or you have anything to say about Kratom, like write something in the comments. I think it was something yeah. like that. And when I wrote and then you actually responded and then, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm just like that. Like it was literally like the first time I felt that feeling that I felt originally when AA worked for me, you know, of like, oh, someone else gets it, you know, like, like, like a high, but like, like a relief, you know, like someone yeah. else gets it. By that time, like in March, I, I like, I had done a new year's quit. I had tried, like, it was like, at that time I was like, Oh, it's like, it's a bad habit. Like I, uh, you know, I'll quit it. Like I new year's day, you know, like, like you would quit eating ice cream or something. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And it, and it was on a list of like, I had like five other things. Kratom was just, I, I never been more determined and tried so hard to quit something. Right. And had so much trouble quitting it. it it's, I still am blown away by how powerful, you know, because I had been sober for three, not that I was all healed or anything, but I was like going to AA meetings. Like right. I was like doing all this work and I had a therapist. I was doing EMDR. I was. I mean, part of it was like buying into that, that gray area. Like uh, I, for so long, I, I wasn't thinking of it as a drug. So once I got over that, that helped a lot. But extracts are a little bit different. I never had the long-term use and, and more of a, a short-term intense relationship with, I was after a while chasing a high a little bit, you know, with the extracts. Oh yeah. I mean, I was definitely chasing a high the whole time. That's yeah. like, that's what the whole, like rotating the strains, like, oh, what, you know, how can I trick my brain to like, have feel like the first time, like, you know, that's what that was all about. Yeah. This podcast is so rad. I'm sure it's helping so many people.
Kratom in the headlines. This week, we've got an article from the Courthouse News Service. If you're not familiar with the Courthouse News Service, they are a news service that is focused on mostly the Supreme Court, federal court, and more larger jurisdiction type courts. So not really your local uh, court, but focused on more national news. Um, so this is an article from July 20th, 2023, entitled Major Kratom Importers Guilty Police Stirs Questions. Um, so the article starts out by saying that this is a California man whose company's grossed more than 60 million selling Kratom, and he pleaded guilty in federal court in California to illegal importation and faces up to two years in prison to be sentenced on October 6th. So coming up here soon. Sebastian Guthrie, basically, whose LinkedIn profile says he founded and co-founded over 15 different com companies, totaling millions of dollars in sales and annual revenue, agreed to the plea deal on July 10th according to a Justice Department. Uh, he also essentially pled guilty to money laundering, and this appears to be the first criminal money laundering conviction for illegally importing Kratom into the United States. Uh, the article goes on to say that this should put the Kratom industry on notice. Uh, Tyler Hatcher, who's a special agent in charge of essentially one of the IRS criminal investigation divisions in Los Angeles, says that basically illegal importing products into the United States for your own financial gain is a crime, and disregarding U.S. import laws and import alerts will not go unnoticed. You will be held accountable. So this is interesting. Uh, the article also goes on to say that hardly anyone noticed. Only a few San Diego area websites reported the announcements, I guess. But uh, they also are saying that the case basically allows a look into what they're calling a shadowy industry. Uh, I'd second that based on my experience with Kratom. They're, they're hoping to rein this in. It's still not necessarily clear to me... Um, what the illegality is in in what um, this individual did. Article lists um, some of the kind of various companies that he had sold this under. Essentially, there is in 2014, the FDA actually issued what is called an import alert, which I guess essentially bans the importation of Kratom into the United States. But as I think you can all tell there's a lot of Kratom available in the United States, all different types and all different kinds. So it's interesting. This could be a bigger problem for um, companies. I'm sure the AKA is probably all over this and, and trying to look into it and figure out what happened. That's the Kratom in the headlines for the week. And that came from the Courthouse, Courthouse News Service. And you can find a link in the show notes. Now it's time for the resource of the week. Um, and this week, essentially, I'm going to give you my kind of personal review of the virtual map provider, uh, QuickMed, which is the one that I use. There's several others, Bicycle Health, I believe there's Boop.me, a few others, but those are the three that I'm mostly aware of. So basically, uh, the, the virtual map providers kind of, they all vary and, and differ a little bit. Also, the rules and regulations differ a little bit based on state. So as, as you all know, I'm in Maine, so I'll kind of give you my perspective and what the experience has been for me. Um, so with QuickMed, I chose them basically out of convenience. They had a lot of appointments for my area, and um, they also had a lot of doctors that seemed to be based in, in my area in southern Maine. So I, I chose them mo mostly because they, they had an appointment for me. Also, the, the $99 flat fee for 
the monthly subscription or, or, or for your monthly visit was appealing to me versus cost of some local clinics, to be honest. So how it works is you go for your first appointment and you get evaluated by your counselor um, and they determine you know, if you're a candidate for medical assisted treatment. And then from there, they'll, they'll usually start or they will start you with a seven uh, day sub, uh, script and then have you come back for another appointment in a week. And at that point, they'll evaluate you, ask you how everything's going, check in on you, see if your dose needs to be adjusted, et cetera. And assuming everything is, is looking good and the treatment's been going good, they will prescribe you medication for a month and it'll come back in a month. Um, so the good news and the good things that I like about QuickMed are, one, it's quick, it's easy to schedule an appointment. Um, two, if you ever have to interact with support, they're very, very easy to deal with. Um, and I had an issue with an appointment. They resolved it very, very quickly, which was great. But really, it's it's a convenience factor. I haven't yet had to actually take a drug test, which is interesting because most places, you know, that's one of the things you have to do first. So if you're looking for that level of accountability, uh, QuickMed or the, the telehealth providers might not be the best. But I am told that that varies from state to state. And in some states, People do have to take a test at the beginning or very soon after enrolling. Bicycle Health is is, is quite similar to QuickMed. Um, what I think I like, what I would think I would like a little bit more about Bicycle Health had I chose them is I they one they accept insurance and QuickMed doesn't, so there's a little bit of cost deflection that, that could happen there if you have insurance. And uh, I think the second piece is is they have counseling and, and things all wrapped in one, um, and it's a little bit different than than QuickMed in that regard. That's the big drawback with QuickMed is there's no counseling aspect of it or no psychiatry or, or any of that. So if you're looking for therapy, if you're wanting to go to a 12-step group or a group like Smart Recovery or, or something like that, which I think you should be doing, in my opinion, if you, want, if you really truly want to work on your recovery, then you're going to have to do that on your own. Um, for me, that wasn't a problem because I had already had a previous addiction and knew um, what worked for me and, and, and was, was able to, to build my program around it. But if you, if you want something that is all inclusive of the medication and the treatment and the counseling, et cetera, you should look at possibly another telehealth provider that offers that, maybe Bicycle Health or another, or go to a traditional um, in-person clinic. So that's essentially uh, it for the resource this week. Feel free to message us if you have any specific questions. Um, I'm happy to work with Charlie to make sure that we answer any questions you may have about uh, medicated-assisted treatment or ACMED uh, or, or anything in that regard. Um, just as always, note, uh, neither Charlie or I are doctors. Thank you, Jacob. If you'd like to reach out to us, please do so on any social media channel. And until next week, keep it Kratom free. <laughs>